Hey, listener, Zach Harper here. Underdog Fantasy, the easiest place to play fantasy sports. Also, fastest growing fantasy app in the industry. Here's how it works. The Pick'em Game. Pick whether your favorite players will have a higher or lower stat total in this week's game for a chance to win big. How big, you ask? I'm so glad you asked that question, listener. You can win up to 100 times your money in a single night. Pick between two and five players. Build a pick'em entry. You can also do rivals picks. You can put like Tyrese Halliburton and Jalen Brunson against each other. And whoever has more points, more assists, more rebounds, whatever you want to do, that is your rivals pick. I would maybe go with Jalen Brunson in these playoffs. By the way, in the regular season, Jalen Brunson, scoring tear, going higher on his point totals all the time. Joel Embiid, whenever he did actually play, higher on his scoring totals all the time. Victor Wembanyama for the next 15, 20 years, here's a pro tip for you. Take higher on the blocks. That's right. So you're probably wondering, how do you sign up? Oh my God, listener, you are full of good questions today. Sign up with the promo code DING, that's D-I-N-G, to claim your special pick First time deposit offer up to $250 in bonus cash. $250, man, that's a lot. Visit underdogfantasy.com or find them in the app store. And don't forget to register with our code DING, D-I-N-G, to claim your special pick and first time deposit offer up to $250 in bonus cash. Must be 18 or older, 21 or older in Massachusetts, Arizona, 19 or older in Alabama and Nebraska, and present in a state where underdog fantasy operates. Terms apply. Concerned with your play? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.ncpgambling.org. Arizona, 1-800-NEXT-STEP. That's 1-800-639-8783. Or text next step. To 53342. New York, call the 24 7 Hope Line at 1 877 8 Hope and Y or text Hope and Y for 67369. Hello, I'm Paul Giamatti. And I'm Stephen Asma. Join us on the Chinwag Podcast every Wednesday where we trade the banal and the boring for the super strange and bizarre. They committed human sacrifice? I did bring up human sacrifice, yes. You sure did. <laughs> that just went by fast. Kind of casually tossed that out. I would like to have an alien uh, hatchet young inside. Holy shit, really? She saw world peace and I saw demons coming out of the wall. I will say that there was a green couch outside of the principal's office and you sat on it if you had lice or if you got into trouble. <laughs> <laughs> they wake you up from the goo pods to live in reality and you're naked and screaming it's like <laughs> follow us for free on apple podcasts and all major podcast platforms for more information go to chinwagpod.fm and find enlightenment through our instagram or tiktok at chinwagpod or on twitter at chinwag underscore pod R Slash is a hilarious podcast where Dabney Bailey uses ridiculous voices and emotions to read aloud the week's craziest Reddit posts. He reenacts various Reddit threads covering wild stories and secrets, petty revenge, relationships, and much more. So if you're looking for a daily distraction and a laugh, check out R Slash wherever you get your podcasts. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. I'm holding go. a mic in my hands and now I'm talking yeah, all talk. over. Welcome to Cinephobe, the podcast where we break down the movies you're afraid to admit you love. I'm Zach Harper, joined by Amin El Hassan. Uh, Anthony Mace produces this show. It's about the bad movies we think don't get enough respect. Today on Cinephobe, this week on Cinephobe, the 1985 comedy Spies Like Us, starring Chevy Chase and Dan Aykroyd. 
Legendary director John Landis directed it. If you're unfamiliar with his name, he directed Trading Places, Animal House, Blues Brothers, the Michael Jackson thriller short, Three Amigos, Coming to America, and one episode of Franklin and Bash. Uh, synopsis for Spies oh, really? Like Us. Yeah. <laughs> That's what it says oh, on, his, wow. on his IMDb. Uh, synopsis for Spies Like Us. Two bumbling government employees think they are U.S. spies, only to discover that they are actually decoys for nuclear war. The tagline was spies like these... Who needs enemies? $22 million budget, grossed $60 million in the U.S. Uh, before you listen to the rest of this podcast, Spies Like Us is available on HBO Go. Uh, I mean, I'd never seen this movie before. For real? Yeah, it, it's one that I was aware of, and I was kind of like, oh, I think I've seen this movie. And then when I started watching I was like, nope, I've never seen this before. Wow. First yeah, of it was just the, one that love, slipped through. Love the taglines with spies like these, who needs enemies? That's a play, of course, off of the, the phrase... With friends like these, who needs enemies? Which in the 80s was immensely popular. I don't think you guys realize. Like in the 80s, that was it. There were friends like these, who needs enemies? It was in every cartoon, every TV show, every movie. They had like that line at some point or another and a bunch of different plays on that word. Like, yeah. for instance, with spies like these, who needs enemies? So with the, that was the 80s version of, uh, you know, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Yes, it was absolutely. Everywhere. Absolutely. What, what, what a great analogy. Right? That's a great comparison right there. Um, as always, my notes, uh, Zach, yes. the first line of the notes is always kind of like, how are we going to think about this movie? My first line today was, do y'all remember the Cold War? Uh, I mean, I, I vaguely remember it. So I think, when did it end? Like 89, 90, something like that? Yeah, something. 88-ish, like yeah. So I, I was born in 82. Like, I know of it. I was aware of like Russia being the enemy and all that stuff, right. you know, like all these movies that like displayed that I was big into, you know, spy movies and ninja movies, and all this stuff. And it was always some right. kind of Russian involved, but the yeah, like the cold war was a thing. Yeah. If, if you don't remember what it was like, go watch Greece too. Uh, they pretty much <laughs> hit the nail on the head. Like at, at, at all times we were in constant fear of the Soviet union of the Russians right. and like all the movies were all based on like, that's the big, uh, like enemy out there that we have to worry about. They're they're the 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 the, the stock villains in every or most movies in the eighties. Boy, am I glad that that's over. We can trust and love the Russians to do the right thing. They're not right. our enemies anymore. Thank God that all ended back yeah, in eighty eight. No. no, we're all good. Uh, Andre Kirilenko ended it right. Uh, yeah, Andre Kirilenko came over and bridged the gap. Well, he's the one that said, if you can change and I can change, maybe <laughs> right. we can all change. Right, exactly. And that's how it happened. Yeah. That's how it happened um, in the history books. Uh, I picked this movie. Originally, I picked uh, Mr. Magoo. I'm sorry for anyone who watched Mr. Magoo. Uh, we will get to it at some point, I promise you. But it's so, just because— It's actually a threat, not a promise. Yeah. Spies Like Us actually uh, goes off of HBO Go at the end of July. So I wanted to oh, catch okay. this with— or it, it falls off the free list. And so this gives everyone an opportunity to catch this movie. I'm shocked, Zach, that you've never watched this movie. Yeah, just somehow. It was one of those that I'd always assumed that I had. And you know what I think I mixed it up with? I, which is really, it's going to sound really stupid. I think I just mixed it up with the fact that I had seen Stripes so much. That I, I just assumed I had seen this movie. Uh, question for you, Zach. We, yes. We're going to get into details, but just. No, you know what? I was going to ask you, did you like it or not? I have a feeling, because here's the thing. The reason why was because, all right, I got the, uh, I have like a, the Hollywood Reporter, I think, will put out, okay, these are the movies that are about to fall off of Netflix at right. the end of this. These are the movies that fall off of HBO at the end of this one. Saw it on the list, and I said, oh, man, I love that movie. I've watched it a million times, albeit not that much recently. And so I was just curious. I was like, 
what a, how, how it's going on Rotten Tomatoes. I think it'd be like, I'd be like an 80, 80s or something like that. It was a 32%. And the audience didn't like it either. either. Oh. And I was, I've never met anyone who didn't like Spies Like Us. Like, I watched it with my dad in the movies back in the day. I've watched it with my brother over the years. I watched it with my friends. We've always loved this movie. So I never even considered the fact that it could be eligible for Cinephobe. But once I found out it was, I had to bump Mr. Magoo, and here we are. Uh, 32% from the critics, as you mentioned, on only 25 reviews, which is weird for a movie that's 34 years old. Only 25 reviews. uh, Audience 56% on 33,000 ratings, which if you notice from previous episodes, we're doing like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of ratings on these. So not, I don't think a lot of people have watched this. That's um, correct. Uh, this one, is one of the funniest movies of the 80s. I'm going to say it right now. One review is from Paul Adanasio from the Washington Post. That Chase is god-awful is no surprise. He's been running on empty for years with variations on that tired, I'm Chevy Chase, and you're not, Riff. Okay. Yes, but at the time, he hadn't been running on it for years. At the time, it was prime Chevy Chase. And even though now we know that Chevy Chase is an awful, possibly racist human being, <laughs> at the time he was lovable. He was delightful, and, and it comes across in this movie. I, um, I'll say that, like I, so I tried to watch the movie in two different mindsets at the same time. I tried to watch it in, in the mindset of watching this for the first time. Let's pretend I'm watching it in the '80s or '90s. Would I have thought this was funny on first? Like, you know, because everything's builds, comedy builds and all this stuff, and comedy changes and it's different and everything. But, like, right. I tried to think, like, all right, first time if I was, like, younger, would I, without the knowledge of comedy that I've, or the experience of comedy that I've had in watching so many things over the decades, like, would I find this movie funny? And then, two, I tried to watch in the sense of, like, would this hold up today? Like, if I had seen it, it, it back then, did, does it hold up today? Are so those are the two things. Do- are these answers you're gonna give now or give later? Because I'm very it's fascinated. A, it's a it's a tease for the ah. for the Fober file section of oh, this podcast. He's very good. He's very good at this, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, uh, so let, let's uh, one familiar face you might you might have is one of the uh, military uh, officials, Bruce Davison. He's the evil senator in the X Men movies. I don't know if you guys remember. Yeah. 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 He, wow. I, did, I like. I like. I didn't put two and two together, but yeah. yeah. They also have the guy from uh, uh, Unsolved Mysteries. Robert, they do. What's his name? What's um, my man? Who also played the the uh, Captain Stryker's uh, superior in the movie Airplane. Right, right, right. right. Another, another cameo in this movie. I don't know if you picked up on it, and we'll get to the scene in a little bit. The proctor for the exam, Frank Oz. Oh, that was Frank also Oz. Also known as the voice of Fozzie Bear, yeah. Yoda, and countless other lovable Muppets that you've seen over the years. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, man, that was Frank Oz. Okay. Yep. Um, all right, so let's jump into the movie. Uh, we open up in a snowy area, obviously somewhere foreign, we would assume, because there's a Russian military uh, excursion where this this uh, this giant missile is being carried, and it's just mowing down trees, and everyone's running, and uh, and we cut to space, and we've got satellites, and there's... A, a normal-looking satellite that said there's no military value on the satellite, and a door comes down, lens comes out, taking high-res pictures, sending those into the U.S. The U.S. spies are transporting it, and we get to our military officials uh, who finally get a chance to check this out. A man has a briefcase with the photos uh, in the briefcase. It is handcuffed to him, 
and uh, and he talks very loudly when he presents the photos of the, the secret photos. Oh yeah, the the, the courier, the uh, courier, who they, right? Who they then stuff into a closet. Well, he can't. Well, he's got the 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 pictures in the briefcase. The briefcase is chained to his wrist, and then the pictures themselves are sewn into the interior of the briefcase. So literally, he cannot be detached from this information at any point. So what they end up doing is they shove him in a closet, and then the chain just trickles out of the closet under you know on the door, and then they open the briefcase and look at the pictures. Military people come and look at the pictures. Uh, my man from Unsolved Mysteries then goes to the corner and pours himself a glass of brandy, to which I noticed in the movies, people always have liquor in their offices, but I've never actually seen that in real life. Zach, have you seen anyone with liquor I in their office? don't think I have. Maybe that's a maybe that's an old school thing though. Maybe also, that used to be it. Also, they never have the liquor in the original bottle. They will pour it into a separate kind of decanter or something like that. So, funny thing about that is I got into scotch like a, you know, a couple of years ago and I bought one of those decanters. Have never once poured it into one of those. I mean, it's just like it's what's just the point? empty. You're right, exactly. I have a like a, right. Exactly. It's already in a device. I don't need to put it into another device to pour it into something else. Right. And then I'm gonna have to clean that thing later. Like, yeah, yeah so I, I own one like of those, but I've never sit, used yeah. it. I'm gonna nice. use it one day. Just what? Like you gotta wear a robe with it and <laughs> smoke a pipe. I'm gonna wear a robe. I do have a I have a um a pocket watch. I gotta attach really? that to the robe, yeah. My like brother was into that. Too, there was a point in time when my brother was in the pocket watches, and I, I was like, "You douche." <laughs> there's no way. To, there's no. There's no way to go about it without looking like. I like, bought. Oh, wait, I got on. it. I got it from a hipster uh, Minneapolis clothing store. Of course store. you did. Of course <laughs> you did. Is this the same place you got your monocle from? No, 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 no. Do you know why? Why I got the monocle? Did I ever tell you that? No, I bought the monocle. I bought the monocle from Warby Parker because at the time they you were saying. <laughs> At the time, they would they would donate a pair of glasses for every glass you pair of glasses you bought, and so I bought the monocle thinking they're gonna donate a monocle like it's gonna be a you know a product for product, and I thought they could donate a monocle to an underprivileged child somewhere, and I thought that could help that kid rise to prominence. So you basically wanted to be the biggest kind of dick there is. Like some kid needs glasses. Sorry, kid, the guy only bought a monocle. No, and they flip him. They flip the kid eyes. They flip it to him. He gets one. I'm like, well, maybe one day someone else will buy a monocle and then I can <laughs> be a real boy. Uh, there was a line delivered from the evil senator from X-Men in this where the guy is talking loudly and he gets admonished before he's shoved in the closet. And he said, it's not your fault. You're stupid. Yeah. I like yeah. that. Yeah, there was a lot of... A lot of lines like that. Also, I, th I thought the courier looked a lot like if Randy Quaid and Matt Harpering had a love child. I don't know if you looked at him that closely, yeah, but I, I did. I didn't look at him that closely. Uh, well, trust me on that one. So uh, anyway, so the, the, the general premise is the Russians are making a move. They need to get two operatives in there to uh, infiltrate and perhaps even defuse this thing before it goes any further. Right. The problem is the two best operatives they had have been captured and killed in action. And so they got to get two more. And, and they, they talk about two more, right? They don't want to lose two more. They've had already too many casualties. So one of the military guys comes up with the idea, well, let's have two teams. One team of operators or the actual operators doing the mission and then another set of decoys, right? And quasi expendable people. And so they're on the search for expendable people. And that's when we uh, are introduced first to the character of, Chevy Chase, Emmett Fitzhume, I believe is his name. Yes. And he works for the State Department 
in a, you know, pencil pushing job. He's at a desk and it's played by Chevy Chase. So you already know he's a complete slap dick. He's sitting with his feet up on the table watching an old movie, which I believe Ronald Reagan is in. Yeah, Ronald Reagan's it's, in it. And it's a musical and he's singing along and he's got headphones on listening very loudly. You can't hear Guy, anybody. <laughs> can't hear anyway. The guy next to him is telling them, holding up a you know this booklet and, and mouthing something that we can't hear because all we hear is the music from the movie. So finally he takes off the headphones and the guy says, aren't you taking the Foreign Service Board exam tomorrow? And Chevy Chase says, yeah, no, but no big deal because my grandfather was an envoy and my father was an envoy. I was born into the trade, which I noted is the exact same plot from the movie Monsters University, where <laughs> Sully... Sure. Goes to Monster University to goes to get a scaring degree, but he says I don't have to study or do anything because my grandfather was a scarer and my father was a scarer, so you know I was born into the trade. I thought that was an interesting connection, and just goes to show that even the great movies of today borrow heavily off of the movies of yesterday. Wow, what a what a nice little life lesson there. Um, yes. And so yeah, he also says he's taken it three times before. You know, he's not yes. worried about it. Um, and then that's the reason why he's not worried. So it's right. all multiple choice. <laughs> it's all multiple choice. And uh, he says, well, I'm going to go meet with an official, like an official from the testing facility. Right. He goes, I'm going to go meet with this official anyway. I'll, you know, I'll see what, I'll see what they say. Cut to a new scene. He's in bed with her. They've already had sex. He's a ladies man. And she says, I hope you didn't call me here for that. Meaning to help him get out of the test. And he says, no, no, it's actually just, um, I don't know where my head's been at lately. Talk to my urologist. And before she can finish, and before he can finish, she says, don't tell me you're dying. And he says, well, I'm not going to tell you that anymore. <laughs> I, I, there's so many lines in this movie, man, where I just fucking lost it. Um, and then we cut, to, we cut to the basement of this, like, big facility. That's where we meet Dan Aykroyd. Um, he's working on some tech stuff, some spy tech stuff. He's trying to learn how to read Russian. Uh, and, uh, and we find out he's been breaking down codes with a decoder from a cereal box. Like this dude is legitimate and his ability to use tech, break down tech and break down, you know, barriers of coded language or any kind of like foreign language. Like he is the real deal, except his supervisor has screwed him over by letting him know, Oh, by the way, you got to take that exam tomorrow. And he was supposed to tell him weeks ago. So we had time to study, did not tell him any of that. Supervisor is trying to sabotage his career, basically, make sure that he's kept in this basement doing all his dirty work uh, and doesn't get to kind of advance in any way in life. Sub, sub basement D25. Yeah, yeah right. My, my favorite part is he's, he's, the supervisor says, you, you broke the code with a, like a kid's toy, basically. And he says, yeah, he says, do it again. Use the, com the machines this time, the computers this time. And he says, I did twice. And he hands them the thing. And so the supervisor basically has run out of, like, objections to what Dan Aykroyd can do. And so he just yells, clean up this desk. <laughs> honestly, honestly, Zach, that same exact thing happened to me when I worked for the Suns. Really? When I worked for the Suns, this was after Steve Kerr and David Griffin left, the people who knew what they were doing. And the people who didn't know what they were doing came in. And they had, like, a bunch of, like, stuff that they wanted. I was just chilling. They were like, well, what have you done? I was like, I did that. Like, well, did you do that? Yeah, I did it. Cross-checked against it. It's all here. And then the guy, I sort of got looks at him and said, well, clean up this desk then. I'm like, what does that have to do with anything? He said, you say you want to be part of a winning organization, but your desk is dirty. I said, if you can explain to me how a dirty desk impacts our wins and losses, I'll listen to it. <laughs> 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 the same, he didn't last that much longer. With the sun. <laughs> 
So, anyways, uh, he also tells the guy that, hey, man, I was about to hook up your family with free Disney Channel. Right. But, but now I won't, right? So the whole idea is that, uh, you know, he's he's the technical kind of uh, intelligence guy. Right. And Chevy Chase is the diplomat, the, the, the from a diplomatic family. Father worked in the State Department, et cetera, et cetera. They go to take this test. And Zach, when I tell you, this is one of the, my favorite scenes in cinematic history. I, I, gotta, I was crying. Tell me, tell me, I want to hear it from your, from your mouth. So it starts out where Chevy Chase comes in. He has a, clearly a fake broken arm. He's got an eye patch on, right? Um, he's clearly going to try to cheat and everything or gets Curry some favor. And so as it starts out, like he looks at the eye patch, like he sits down, they're taking the test. He looks at the eye patch, gets some answers off the eye patch. And I thought, Oh boy, here we go. This is going to be really stupid. Really thought that. And then, and then he pulls. First of all, he, first of all, it doesn't start there. It starts with he walks up to the proctor and says, uh, "Before we start, can you hold on to my wallet? There's a thousand dollars in there. Oh, maybe right. there or maybe there isn't." <laughs> <laughs> it reminds me. You know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of the scene in Money Talks where the very beginning they're loading them from the holding cell onto the bus. Yeah. And Chris Tucker has been talking trash this whole time. And as they walk by one of the armed guards, he says, hey, man, let me borrow your gun. <laughs> it's just it's a, <laughs> such a nonchalant line. Yeah. So, so, yeah, he, gets, so he, he, he cheats off the eye patch. And I thought, oh, my God, this is going to be really stupid. And then he pulls he, pull, he pulls notes out of his mouth and looks yes. at them. And the, and the proctor sees this. And then he, he removes his fake arm. He removes notes from his fake arm and like from uses the cast, it clearly, yeah. from the cast and clearly uses his arm that he was hiding this whole time. He starts going through all these things. He's trying to find out what KGB means from Dan Aykroyd, who he's sitting next to. He like goes into like this, oh, I can't handle the pressure. Like he oh, gets no. up. Oh, Zach, Zach, Zach. You're what? not going to gloss over this. this is, I'm telling you, this is like one of my favorite scenes. So we go from, from the written man, answer in the mouth to the answer that's in the cast that he pulls out with his real arm from the fake arm. Then he he turns to Dan Aykroyd and starts doing a fake cough. All right. <laughs> and so Dan Aykroyd looks over and he writes on the, on the thing, which again, think about this, the height of the Cold War, right? right? Like this is, man, everyone's mind is on Russia. This dude writes on his test. What does KGB stand for? <laughs> <laughs> so Dan Aykroyd writes the answer. And like underlines KGB for him. And so <laughs> Chevy Chase coughs. KGB. going through this whole thing and he's like walking over and like looking at tests and like reading stuff and taking tests off people's desks and everything to get more ants and like i was dying at this point 
Like it's such a good build of like cheating a little bit, cheating more, cheating more to just this blatant cheating that is just be uh, like it was it was so slapstick and so ridiculous. But I was in the whole time. Like uh, after the, the iPad, I'm in the whole time. The, the, what makes the scene is that literally from the very first moment, Frank Oz, the, who plays the proctor, notices. Yeah, like he, like all of this is, is he's, he's not literally just staring with anything. He's staring at him the whole time, and in fact, at some point, presses a button, and some cameras come out of the vents, and right. they start taping all this that's happening. So, needless to say, they get caught. They get sent to the office. They play some other stuff that happened that didn't make it into the scene. Oh my God, that shit. Where where where, so where Dan Aykroyd stands up and says, "Give this man some <laughs> some." <laughs> Some room to breathe, and he just starts basically distracting while Chevy Chase is literally lying on the floor, copying the answers off the test right. with his with his non-broken hand out of the broken cast. Like it was just so over the top, and it's so, so it's so over the top. And like it, what was funny to me is the like I don't know why this part was so funny to me, but the fact that Dan Aykroyd just decided to cheat, like he doesn't yes. know Chevy Chase, right? Like this is a stranger. He just decides like, all right, man, I'm gonna help this dude. Right. So like, so. So they're, they're in the office. They show them this stuff. They turn it off and say, okay, so what are we going to happen? Are we going to get fired? Are we going to suspend it? Are we going to, is there going to be like a, a criminal proceeding against us? And um, the, the bad guy from X-Men and the other guy yeah. tell them, actually, we loved it. Like this espionage is not like a, like a Boy Scouts thing. We want people who are resourceful, who will stop at nothing to get something done. And most importantly, we like that you guys work together as a team. So they tell them we're bumping you guys up to are, like level 20 or something like that, right? It's send, sending you out into the field. Yeah. They're ecstatic. When does training begin? Training begins right now. And so they send them on the next thing you know, we're on a plane. They're on a plane with a bunch of paratroopers and they say, well, they wouldn't throw us out the, you know, this is for everyone else. They're going to land us somewhere. And a light goes off, door opens. They literally shove them both out the, at the door. They fly, they parachute down. That's supposed to, that was one of the scenes where I was like, okay, they spent a little bit too much time on this. On the it's funny. Yeah, it's funny. Yeah. They shove them out this, let, let them land. We don't have to see the, whoa! Yeah, it's a lot of that. Uh, we'll get that again with the G-Force training. <laughs> I like that. Well, hold Did on. you? Oh, <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> no, no. So, like, because, like, the, the jumping out the plane was just, like, literally the camera spinning to indicate that they're tumbling, right? And then they land, right? The G-Force training will get there in a second. Uh, so they let, they land in the forest on top of each other. Yes. And, uh, and ninjas come out. Yes. Ninjas come out out, out of nowhere and they're like chopping trees and like threatening them. And, uh, oh, no, for, well, first of all, there's like a, an owl or something hooting. And he says, and Chevy Chase says, what's that? Oh, and Dan <laughs> says, it's a dick for And they say, what's a dick for Mostly for peeing. <laughs> <laughs> Again, stupid line, but I, I chuckled. I laughed. Ninjas come out and they do the whole like ninja thing where they're like playing with the blades and everything. And <laughs> Chevy Chase says, <laughs> well, they say, well, you do something. You're the dip diplomat. Talk to him. Chevy Chase yeah. says, stop right there and I'll bring back the sun. <laughs> and, then, and then he says, he shows a picture of his sister. He goes, this is my sister. You can have her. <laughs> I hear she's really good. <laughs> and so Dan Aykroyd obviously realizes, man, the moron picks up a branch and says, come on any closer. I'm going to swing it, swing this at you. There's Jimmy J says, hear that? He's threatening you. Come on, let's get him. Yeah. <laughs> Dan Aykroyd responds, man, come on, show some balls. Chevy J says, says, I think we're past the point of impressing. Them. Yeah, I think it's too late to impress them. 
It is one of the greatest back it's, and forth. Yeah, it's, one it's such good riffing. Like, and, and that was like, if you love the movie, let me put it this way: if you love the movie Hitch, yeah, where it basically the 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 not Hitch, is it Fletch? My bad, Fletch. Fletch, right? Fletch. The premise of Fletch is basically everyone else is living in this movie, right? Or in the movie, everyone's living a kind of a very movie way. And say, hey, what's the big idea, buddy? And, and Chevy Chase is this is basically just making jokes on everything everyone says, right? Like, knocks on a door, woman opens uh, the door in a towel, says, how can I help you? And he says, my car just hit a water buffalo, but can I borrow a towel, right? <laughs> she never responds or reacts. Like, no one actually reacts. Yeah, no, no one, they, yeah. They keep on in their, like, movie dialogue while he just says these ridiculous things. That's what that scene is, right? Just, no one's reacting, but just hilarious. All right, so turns out this was just a... Uh, a test or whatever. Yeah, it's a demonstration to see how they react, right? Um, the uh, the colonel is uh, he stops it. He then says like, "Oh, this is a test. You guys failed." Blah blah blah. And they're like, "Well, what would like? How are we supposed to do this?" And he's like, basically just beats the shit out of all the ninjas. It's like something, so, you know, basically like that. And so what begins next is a montage, but it's not really a montage. It's one of those. Yeah, it's like a very like slow montage, right? Yeah, like so, it's really so, just like scene, scene, scene. Yes, yes. So they're like, "Hey, we're gonna do your training." All right. First of all, this is the obstacle course, but we like to do it this way. And then they get they basically they get tortured in all of these different uh, tests, including the G force test. I can't believe you guys did not laugh. I can't it. believe you did laugh at this. Look, I'm in on this movie up until this point. Oh my god! So uh, they, the G four, the G four, it's just. Maze, you gotta back me up. That was that was not that was not comedy. It was, it's not even an effect. They just can they you know, make a funny face like that's just, all that is. But so here's the thing. Okay, so so here's what happens. So first of all, all of these, as I said, all these tests they get tortured, and the tests get more and more ridiculous as you go on. Right. First is just like hey, crawl through the mud or whatever. Then there's one where they're just literally in a plane that falls from the top of a building, <laughs> crashes into the ground. Like it's just like these aren't tests. This is just we're gonna torture these guys. So they get to the G-Force thing, and they spin around, and it spins faster and faster, and they're making these silly faces to indicate, like, oh, we're, we're in a G-Force thing, which is, okay, in and of itself, it's like, okay, ha-ha. But when they come out, yeah. and they're walking the hallway, Maybe. their hair standing up, and their faces are frozen in those ridiculous looks, and they say, hey, you want to get some coffee? Yeah, that's a good idea. Yo, you didn't laugh when they're walking down the hallway, man? I promise you i did not laugh in any way <laughs> y'all a while and that was fucking hilarious man. that was hilarious that was not Slap, hilarious. slapstick comedy at <laughs> oh best. my god um all right uh, so they uh they decide to send these guys to pakistan they drop them off in this large supply crate uh they enter the village uh who, it surrounds who, you, them you think you think our contact is here Oh, we'll yeah. let, let's, let's find out. Who led the American League in home runs in 1953? Right. Everyone draws guns on, right? Like, that was his way of testing. <laughs> um, then uh, Dan Aykroyd pulls out... Uh, oh, no, 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 no. Chevy Chase pulls out this this booklet that's of conversational Pashtu. Is that how you say it? Yes. Um, and, sa and says, here I, here, I got it. It says, it basically says, let me be free and you can use his head for polo. <laughs> To which then they're like, he's like, is this normal? He's like, yeah, that's how they greet you. And these guys are just like holding his head, they're, like just yeah, like rubbing his head, like his head up. sizing his head up for polo. Uh, two very quintessentially 80s guys come up. 
I'm talking about very like, blonde, preppy, white yeah, 80s guys, yeah. pastel colors, and right. their names are like Bud something like the very 80s names, like the kind yeah. of names that you don't see today. Um, and the way they talk and everything about them. Uh, so they say, Hey, we're your contacts, come on with it, get into the Jeeps over here, right? They get in the Jeep as they're driving down like this desolate road. Uh, Dan Aykroyd says, Hey, what time is it? And the guy checks his watch, and that's when we see. The watch, while a digital watch is the brand name, is in Russian Cyrillic alphabet. Right. So Dan Aykroyd puts two and two together. These guys are not our contacts. They're actually spies. But he can't communicate it to Chevy Chase right there because obviously these guys are all sitting together in the car. So instead says, hey, can we stop because I need to take a leak? And gets out and then says to Chevy Chase, you should go too. To his Chevy Chase says, what are you, my mother? Yeah. And then followed by like a shrug and a laugh at the other guy's like, what's the deal with this guy? So he keeps trying to, you know. He's like, impress. really? You don't feel the pressure of, of against your bladder wall of all this liquid building up? You wouldn't like to have that full relief and know that there's nothing in there? Like he's really trying to like let him know you got to go pee. So finally he gets the hint. They start walking. He says, these guys are not our contacts. They're Russian spies. How do you know? The watch, et cetera, et cetera. And then they look up. And even though they've been walking away from the car, presumably to pee, uh, they look up and the two guys are standing in front of them. Um, I, basically, I don't want to like belabor it. They they get confronted about it, and then they basically stomp on their feet and put and their hat over their head. Get in the jeep. They drive away. Drive away. They get shot at. They end up in another little village. They're swarmed and, by Afghani freedom fighters. And they say, and, oh, these are our allies. We're Americans, right? So th this is the point where I put in the, in the in my notes. This is crazy because when this movie came out, this is the truth. Like, these people were American allies and the Russians are bad, et cetera, et cetera. Right. And who could have known 30 years later, these are the people who are, like, basically the new number one enemy to America in the world, right? Right. This is where Al-Qaeda came from, basically. These people... Uh, that the Americans had uh, armed, armed to right. help bring in an insurgents against uh, Russian occupation in Afghanistan. So I just I thought it was a, a wonderful little bit of irony right there. Um, says so anyway. He says, "Hey, these are our allies. We're Americans." Next thing you know, they're tied up upside down and about to be murdered. Right. Think uh, <laughs> think about the scene in Return of the Jedi where the Ewoks have captured Luke and and Han and right. Uh, they're like strung up by their ankles. Like yes, yeah. Um, and so they convince them. They convinced somebody well, that no, they're the doc well, the doctors, there's a doctors without borders operation right. working with the villagers. They come out, see these people, run out. By the way, the head doctor, Dr. Hadley, uh, the bad guy from Raiders of the Lost Ark. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Good call. Belloc. So anyway, so Dr. Hadley comes out and says, No, 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 these guys, they're they're you guys are the doctors from the U from the UN or whatever, that we, we Dr. Greenberg and Dr. Featherstone or whatever. And those guys are like, yeah, yeah, that's us, that's us, right? And so they're rescued from this. They go into the tent, meet all the other doctors. And this as is they're the, the okay. infamous the infamous introduction of doctors, right? Doc, doctor? Doctor. 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 Every doctor that comes up says doctor, says to them doctor. They each say doctor, and then they and and then they go and move on to the next one, except for there's one very attractive woman who says doctor, and Dan Eckers says doctor, and Chevy Chase instantly softens his voice and right. goes into romantic eyes as doctor. <laughs> and so they met all the doctors. 
they have a conversation about, hey, this, that, and the other. And then they're, all the doctors are about to leave. So they all leave the tent. But before they leave, they say goodbye by saying, doctor. Right. And you we, get go it. Through, we go through the whole thing all over again. Ah, here we are. I'm Hadley, internal medicine. And Dr. Lafon, communicable diseases. Dr. Boyer, bacteriology, and Dr. Stinson, Marston, and Gill of the Northampton Trauma Institute, and Dr. Ian House of the Zurich Relief Fund. These are our newly arrived surgeons, Drs. Trowbridge and Greenbaum. Doctor? 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 Doctor, 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 and doctor. Well, we miss anyone? Why don't you gentlemen relax? The tribe's planning a raid on a Soviet tank division tomorrow. There'll be plenty for us to do then. Doctors? Doctor? 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 Doctor. 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 We're not doctors. Again, great comedy writing. Yeah, great comedy writing. That's like the origin. Like, that has been a joke for decades. That kind of that kind of. I thing. thought everyone knew where it was from. I did not realize that that was a... No, was... I didn't know. Um, and, so, uh, and so the blonde doctor, the, the female, comes back in and starts... Uh, talking to Chevy Chase about performing surgery. Like he's supposed to be this incredible surgeon. She wants to see him work. And he said, basically says, Oh yeah, of course I'll do the surgery. Except, you know, I've got, got this nerve damage, um, in my, in my hand. I can't feel anything. And promptly puts that dead hand, uh, on her boob and just holds it there. And then, and then pats her with the other one, <laughs> like pats the other boob with his other hand. With, with, with a good hand. With a good hand. Reminded me of land of the lost. It did, yes. right? Yes. Yeah, that's yes. where that came another, from. Another callback, right? So, um, you know, he basically says, hell, you know, even after the surgery, I, like, I get very depressed because right. I can't do the surgery anymore because uh, he's offered Dan Aykroyd to be his hands in the in the process. And so, you know, she then says, hey, I'll be there for you. And they make out, right? They make out. Dan Aykroyd walks in and says, you know, says, make some, oh, well, you guys cut it out or whatever, really, or something like that. Yeah. And you know they they're startled. They're looking at him, and Chevy Chase is doing the the silent. You are fucking this up for me. Don't fuck <laughs> this up. I'm got some good going. And when she turns and looks at him, he looks longingly at her. So instantly, again, man, great comedy writing. Great, execution. great comedy writing. Yeah, it's really it's really like great physical comedy. Other than the G four scene, um, and that and so like they decide like all right, we're gonna do the surgery or whatever. The surgery is on the chiefs. The chief of the tribe's brother, right? Right. And right. so they would consider a great insult if these particular doctors, because they're supposed to be the best surgeons in the world, don't do the surgery. That's why they gotta do it. Wait, hold on. There was a there was another cameo there where Bob Hope just randomly hits a golf oh, yeah. ball into the tent and shows up. And then also Terry yeah. Gilliam is one of the doctors. Oh, that's right. Oh, Terry Gilliam. Yeah. That's right. Terry Gilliam is one of the doctors. Right. So patients on the table. He's he's got appendicitis. He's got a you know, <laughs> these two idiots obviously don't know anything about surgery. So all they're doing is stalling. So they say you know the first step in an appendectomy, and then 
Dan Aykroyd dips below the operating table to open a medical book to just search for what the first step is, while Chevy Chase conveniently leans forward and stares into the face of the patient <laughs> so that they can't see that he's ducked away. Comes back up, he says, you must shave the patient. <laughs> Chevy Chase starts putting shaving cream on the guy's face. <laughs> on the guy's face. And Dan Aykroyd says, ah, forget about that. <laughs> ah, forget about it. So then... They say, the next thing we must do is, same thing, dips below, looks in the book, comes back up, says, apply the anesthesia. And then Dan Aykroyd starts looking at, like, I can't remember what he picks up. He picks up something and starts, like, staring at it in the light while Chevy Chase, uh, Dan, while, uh, Chevy Chase is adjusting a, a gas lantern, like a lamp. Right. Like, there's no, there's, they, don't, they have no idea what they're doing. Someone, a doctor says, hey, it's already been, you know. They already yeah, did can't that. you tell, like, so. Uh, so he says, all right, finally we're going to make the incision. And takes the, <laughs> no, Chevy Chase has to go get him. He's just throwing, scalpel. he's just throwing instruments around. Like trying to find a scalpel. <laughs> it's so loud. It's so, and, it's so loud. And, like obviously the stuff is supposed to be sterile. Like all these, all these tools in there. He's just throwing things on throwing, the ground. Well, well, Dan Aykroyd stands with his hand out without breaking eye contact with the other doctors. Right. Straight faced, right? Finally gets the scalpel, says, all right, the first incision goes in, is about to cut into the dude's chest. One of the doctors says, that's the guy's chest. What are you doing? The appendix is nowhere near there. And Dan Aykroyd says, I was probing for muscle tone and skeletal girth. It's a new technique. We mock what we don't understand. <laughs> so then, like, he goes back to make the incision, and he looks at the other doctors, and they shake their heads. And so he goes lower, and then they, they shake their heads, yes. Like, okay. Meanwhile, Chevy Chase is flirting and winking at the blonde doctor. Right. <laughs> like, just come time. So, Just, no yeah, focus a, at all. It's a, it's a, finally, he's about to, he's like, he's hovering, he's like squeamish about making the incision, and then as he's about to do it, the patient stands, or sits up, and dies. Doctor checks the guy's pulse, says, this man is dead. And next thing we know, Aykroyd and Chevy Chase are walking out of the tent, Taking off their scrubs and whistling. <laughs> His whistle and walk away. The chief of the tribe comes out. Hey, stop those guys or whatever. They chase after them. They shoot after them. They escape in an ambulance. Right. So um, next thing you know, we are looking at uh, the evil senator from X-Men. And his other guy right there. They're somewhere like in New Mexico or whatever. They're in Nevada in the desert. Nevada, Pull yeah. up. They pull up to an abandoned drive-thru that is guarded by very militia-looking dudes. Guys are just dressed in jeans and stuff, but they got machine guns. I mean, did you recognize those guys? I, I, they looked familiar. I didn't know who they were. So it's Joel Cohen and Sam Raimi, two directors, and they, they had just made their first movies, and they were working on a movie together called Crime Wave. And then the rest of the, the agents that we go inside, there's another director... The one holding the gun is from Beverly Hills Cop. He directed Beverly yeah. Hills Cop. And then there's a screenwriter, Larry Cohen, another director, Michael Apted, and then B.B. King. Yes, I recognize B.B. King. By the way, uh, the basic training drill sergeant, uh, he both played uh, Kananga in Live and Let Die, if you've ever watched that James Bond movie, where yeah. he's the island dictator who also doubles as Mr. Big. The uh, the drug kingpin of New York, and he's also in "I'm Gonna Get You Sucker." 
Yes. He, he yeah, plays yeah, Jack Slade in I'm Gonna Get You Sucker. So you're right. There are a lot of cameos in this movie. Anyways, they go there and say drive through is closed. Drive the drive through the drive in is closed. Drive in movie theater is closed. And it says, oh, we're here to catch the mat. They say all the code stuff. Uh, we're here to catch the matinee. Yeah, uh, we're just from Ace to- Tomato. We're like, from Ace whatever. Tomato. So then they say, okay, we'll go in there and go have yourselves a couple of Pepsis. And so they go inside, and there's more, you know, agents there, and they say, we we were told to come get a couple of Pepsis, and they say two Pepsis coming right up, and that's the code. They go downstairs. It's a subterranean, super top secret military um, uh, facility, right? Right. Uh, and they go in there. There, it's like a situation room. You got the screens. You got all these analysts on computers and stuff like that. They sit down, and one of the guy, one of the analysts says, "Sir, you have a collect call from Afghanistan." <laughs> and they and they're like, "Wait, wait, wait!" And they find out it's it's Chevy Chase, and they're like, and, "They're like, wait!" He's like, "Wait, he's he said all." They said yeah, like, no, "Oh, says, well." Says th- they said that the operatives, they're lo- they they're con- they didn't meet their contacts. They've been and they've been ambushed, and now. They're lost, and the Afghans are trying to kill them. And they say, "Right." And he says, "Wait." Told he you says, this "He told a- you this on a public phone." And he says, "No, no, no." no. The AT and T, the AT and T operator told our operator. <laughs> they told the AT and T operator who told our operator, right? So they get on the phone with them, and they're like, "Man, we're about da 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 da." And so they have the idea that as long as these guys, these idiots, are out in the field, the Russians will still think that they are. The actual the operatives, right. so they're still doing their job as a diversion from the real spies. So they say, uh, go cross the border and into the Soviet Union, and then try and get to this place, right, with the hopes that the Russians will hear them and intercept them, uh, thus creating the perfect smokescreen. Uh, right. So they they uh, they start going. They decide to be uh, to blend in locally. They you know put on uh, whatever local garb there is, they've got things wrapped around their heads. Like, uh, you know, they're, they're on a, on a transport bus. That's like just basically just a small school bus, right? Like some kind it's of, just a bu- it's a bus. It's one of those, like, if you've seen it, like if you've seen uh romancing the stone or right. any like those movies where it's like, it's a bus in a third world country. It's yeah. Nothing. So they're trying to get to the road to Dushanbai. And, yes. uh, and, and so they, uh, so they, you see, um, it's going to put them essentially like in a strike zone. They ride the bus to the border. They see the woman doctor. Yes. Uh, driving on the same road in the je- in a Jeep. Uh, they're stopped at like a toll stop, military che- kind of checkpoint, whatever. Um, and and so when uh, – so Chevy Chase goes over to try to make a move on her. She says not to touch her. She rides off on a horse. He goes and tells Dan Aykroyd, like, I don't know what her deal is. And he's like, oh, well, she's like – holding this high sophisticated, you know, the sophisticated like equipment to scramble signals, all this stuff. Like, so we kind of find out she's probably a spy too. Yes. And then Austin says, maybe your dick's not dumb. And uh, Chevy Chase <laughs> says, got me through high school. Yes. <laughs> God damn. So many. That's great a good things. line. That's a oh, good line. So many great lines, man. Yeah. Uh, uh, by the way, and- also, this is the scene where, when they realize that she's, that she's a spy, uh, this is the scene where, in true Family Guy fashion, they say the name of the movie right. in the movie. So it says they're spies, but not necessarily. Uh, so they're not spies like us. Right. He said it. He said it. So then they're on a camel. They're chasing, or they're following the the female doctor, who's also a spy. Uh, the camel just gives up at one point. Honestly, I thought they could have cut the scene. I really didn't understand this. Yeah, I think they just wanted to get him on a camel. 
yeah, just get them on a camel, and then I think it was just to show, like, oh yeah, they got to walk, right? So they're they're walking basically along this uh, this road that is close to the mountains, and they're carrying all this gear and all this uh, you know all these clothing, all this clothing and stuff. And Chevy Chase is like, oh, why are we carrying this? And Dan Aykroyd says, trust me, when we get on the other side of this, it's going to be Arctic temperatures. And then cut scene to they're wearing uh, all this like giant fur and stuff to to keep warm in the snow. It's funny. How how far do we think they walked? Like fifty miles, something well, like that. That's right? not the kind of movie it is. It's not fucking Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, where it's like, well, how did they get to? The, it's not Game of Thrones, where like, how did they get there that fast? It's a silly ass movie, man. Fifty miles, five miles. The point is, they followed them, they got there, and now they're dressed ridiculously in this in in this garb. Yeah, they're dressed in the garb of like the movie poster, essentially, right? Um, so let's see. Now they get stopped by patrol. Uh, they figure out that, um, they've basically given their whole plan cause they were speaking in English. They didn't know these, these, uh, patrolmen like spoke English. And so, um, and so Dan or Chevy Chase is like, no, let's get captured. And then the, you know, the U S department can negotiate a, a release for us. And Dan Aykroyd's like, nah, fuck that. And he just, he just dives away down the hill. They fire after him. Um, and he gets away and Chevy Chase gets caught. Yeah, you know, so I'm rewatching this scene here because it's got all the lines where, where I'm just looking for the Burt Reynolds theater. Like I'm just, yo, he's being interrogated by a Russian, like, but by, by uh oh good, by, yeah, because our our uh, the people that they escaped from who intercepted them initially, the the classic '80s guys, oh, yeah, right? Yeah, they, yeah, they're they're in, they're in this whole like little shack that um that is captured. Chevy Chase, but they're doing shitty Russian accents now, right? Yeah, now they're doing <laughs> now they're doing bad Russian accents. They're threatening to cut off his fingers. Um, they're like, you know, say, tell us your objective, and so he makes one up. He says, "I'm I'm here to assassinate your premier," and they're like, "Oh, we knew it. We got to take him to headquarters." Cut to uh, Dan Aykroyd has found uh, the fake fem- or the female doctor who's also a spy. Her partner has been gunned down by by more Russian soldiers or patrolmen. Um, and so this whole time she's trying to convince him to f- help her finish the project, which is like intercepting this, this Russian missile. And he's like, no, I gotta go save, I gotta go save my partner. Um, and so he, ri- he rides in on this, on this horse, right? Rides in the, on this horse, firing these Uzis, doesn't hit anybody, doesn't hit anybody, like basically clears the way to, to <laughs> get Chevy Chase out of there. He goes to pull Chevy Chase off on the horse. Chevy Chase pulls him off the horse cause he doesn't make, cause they don't know what they're doing. But by the way, I found I found the lines that I was looking for during the interrogation. One is, "Why are you here?" It says, "Why is anyone here?" I believe it was Jean Paul. <laughs> <laughs> and then it says, and then the Russian says, "For every thirty seconds you don't give me an answer, I'm going to cut off a finger." And Chevy J says, "Mine or yours?" Right. <laughs> And he says yours, and he like gives us like, damn it, damn. Like, look like, <laughs> like there was a chance. <laughs> ah, yeah, that's, that's great, um, so now they're now they're in a now they're in a gunfight. Um, basically, all it's all Dan Aykroyd shooting at these guys, them shooting back. Uh, the patrolmen throw a grenade. Uh, Chevy Chase catches it. It's like, what's this? And he says, and Dan Aykroyd says, nothing you want. So he like stands up and casually tosses it back into the cabin or the little shack. Uh, it's basically the longest grenade fuse of all time, right? Like this grenade is like up, up for like 15 seconds. 
I, li- I like how you and Maze have this like this thing for like at the oddest time like that's not realistic. No, it's not that it's not realistic. I'm just like it is. They could have sped that up a little bit. Like it was it was too long on the G Force thing. It was too long on this grenade bit. That's it. It's not the realism of it. It's that it's not like all right. I get the joke. Let's go. I like the grenade joke. All I right. Thought it was, I thought it was so. They escape. They're they're walking. They're walking and they hear music, right? And it's it's clearly like American music, right? Right. So they creep above the the ridge and see it is the nuclear missile right there, and a bunch of Russian soldiers, but they are jamming out to this American music, right? So that. These soldiers. By the way, I'm sorry. When he hears the song, like in in the Dan Aykroyd's "Soul Finger" by the Barquets, Chevy Chase says, "Man, they must be having trouble getting the gigs, right?" <laughs> so then they look over the ridge. They see it's soldiers. By the way, these soldiers are women, right? Uh, Am no, right? or no? Is that not? No, yet? there's two two that are women. Okay. Um, cause one, cause, so there's like this, like, sort of like almost Helen Mirren-esque soldier. That's the best way to kind of describe her. Um, who I, I think they say is like their mother or something like that. They're scientists too. I thought, I thought that they were. Oh yeah. Maybe they're scientists. Like, technician. That's why they were whatever. there, but they do have all have guns. Yeah. And then there is one hot one that comes out of the, the tent, like basically in underwear and like half of this jumpsuit. Who then uh, causes Dan Aykroyd and Chevy Chase to fight over the the binoculars? Which again, which again is, <laughs> I mean, like, did you not think that was funny? I thought it was like, hilarious. Okay, all right. It's just, it's, just, it's, it's not incredibly complex or highbrow, but it's just the way it's executed is so perfect. The way they yeah. fight over. No, the the physical comedy. I'm telling you, like I'm in, except for the G Force thing. I just thought All the right. G Force thing was really stupid. G Force is. Uh, so the the fake female doctor spy uh, gives this like passionate speech to convince them to help her with the project. Uh, says you're not gonna have to kill anybody. We got tranquilizer guns, including the line two and a half years preparing for this penetration." Right. To which Chevy Chase it cuts to Chevy Chase's face and he smiles. <laughs> Uh, and so uh the u.s base starts arming these like reflectors that are on the ground uh they the the spies come up with this plan to like pretend to be aliens right so they go down they've got these flares up in the up in the sky or up in the in the mountain or the hill um they come down with all this like weird glowing stuff all these lights and everything um trying to pretend them to try to pretend to be aliens the the motherly russian basically tells a story of like when she was in Lithuania, her father used to tell her about these, these creatures that, you know, weren't from earth and all this stuff. And then they fire at, they fire at the ground in front of them. Chevy Chase says, Oh, follow my lead. Uh, we're gonna, 
you know, follow, you know, follow my lead. He pretends to die. Then Dan Aykroyd pretends to die. And then the flares go out and they, they pop up and they like hit him with the tranquilizer gun. So they've neutralized him completely. Um, then they're essentially just, uh, typing in these code sequences into the missile that they think are going to disarm it. Yeah. They think it's going to disarm it. And it turns out what it does is it, um, it arms it and it fires it off towards the U S yeah, so the 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 uh, the uh, the missiles are 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 launched, but obviously inadvertently. So now they have to they have to avoid they have to try to find a way to avoid nuclear war, basically starting on act by accident. Yeah, and except we find out that it wasn't an accident. Like some of the military military official, so they so they use this like reflector system that's supposed to um, hit a hit the missile that's in like space, like essentially goes into space and then drops down, right? Yeah, and so like Star Wars was an it was an actual program, yeah, that Reagan wanted like these lasers in the sky that would shoot down missiles uh, right. from a yeah. But go ahead. Um, and so they they fire off the pulse, it misses the missile. To which the government, like the the general and the colonel and everything, are like, are like, that's okay. We we want it this way. So they're trying to set up a nuclear war to basically justify all the defense spending and not, you know, all this military action and show that like peace isn't, you know, that possible. We need to keep fighting, keep fighting. So they're trying to start a war between Russia and America. The Cold War is going to become hot essentially. Um, and so all while all this happens, Dan Aykroyd uh, calculates that they've got about forty minutes to live between that hitting uh, that missile hitting America and America retaliating with the missile of their own. And so they pair off uh, Chevy chase in the, in the, or Chevy chase is like essentially like says to the, the fake female doctors, like you want to go out with a bang. And she says, if we were in a bar, I'd throw a drink in your face, but considering the circumstances and they walk off into a tent <laughs> and then, and then uh, the, the older female Russian uh, soldier pairs off with a guy uh, two guys pair off, and that leaves the hot Russian soldier with Dan Aykroyd. Um, and then as uh, as they're about to sleep with each other, I don't know if they have slept with each other. I think, they, I think they've already slept with each other. So, oh, so, oh, because he goes, I can't believe it's been 15 minutes since I, yeah. since I set off a nuclear war. So yeah. clearly, like, it wasn't <laughs> long sex by any means. Yeah. And uh, he goes, 15 minutes until we're about to be dead. Uh, <laughs> and, then he's, and then he gets this idea from just talking while she's like doting over him. Think about his guidance like, counselor said he wouldn't uh, wouldn't uh, mount to anything, and then he says, "Oh, guidance, like some guidance." Something, yeah. Something. So he figures out a way to reverse the missiles and and to and to deflect it off course and everything. So they put in uh, <laughs> they put in these sequences. They have Chevy Chase holding these wires together. That's electrocuting oh, him. Oh, oh my God. So he like he like he's got this idea. He runs out of the tent. And like calls to the other Russians in his broken Russian, like come out, like I gotta go finally figure it out. Chevy Chase and the fake doctor show up, and Chevy Chase, like as he's told them, hey, this is what's going on. They're doing this. Chevy Chase shows up to, what's going on? And they go, oh, you had a tent. <laughs> right. So Chevy Chase basically went to go fuck her in like the snow or something. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so they they reverse the thing. They it deflects the missile off course. And uh, and it goes and explodes in, into space. So every everyone's saved. Um, they uh, the military officials get arrested. What was the other cameo here, Maze? It's just another director. It's this director Bob Swain. But uh, you you missed that the stray laser that missed the rocket destroys oh. the MTV satellite. <laughs> right. 
I think that was my favorite stupid joke of the movie. (laughs) That's a good, that's a really good one. Yeah, because MTV had been around for what, like five years at that point? Yeah. Yeah, something like that. And so, yeah, it was like basically they, like the world was going to end, but at least they they destroyed MTV. Yeah, it was just because it was so obnoxious at the time. Right. Right. like they're like we're cool and da da da, and I was like shut the fuck up. And right. it's, so <laughs> it's so nice that now in 2019 we've done away with obnoxious MTV and they've matured and really gotten the respect they deserve. Yeah, now now they've now they've turned it around. They've got you know teen pregnancies and the hills and everything. Yeah. Um, and so then they get the military officials get arrested. We cut to Chevy Chase being uh, interviewed outside of a a like a essentially like this boardroom, and he's saying like you know these are very sensitive. Uh, negotiations, the slightest, you know, misstep, misuse of language, or even, you know, wrong look could really upset things. So, you know, we just got to keep this going and keep everything, you know, very delicate. So he goes back into the room and the press is like, oh my God, a very intense situation, a very dire situation. Cuts in the room, finds out that they're they're figuring out how to divide up all these like nuclear areas by playing a game of Trivial Pursuit. Oh man, what a good and, it loses, and it loses the Eastern Bloc, and then that's when uh, that's when the movie ends. Let me just say right now, man, like oh, what a great movie! What a great movie! What a great ending! We're going movie. straight to to Fober File. Okay, Maze, I mean, Maze, do, you, Maze okay. do you have everything else or anything else? Not really. I mean, I don't really like Chevy Chase that much. I don't find him that funny. I like Dan Aykroyd a lot, and I liked him in this movie, but. It, it definitely wasn't bad. That's for sure. See, I like I love Lampoon Chevy Chase, right? Like I like I think on most Chevy Chase things, I know you're not supposed to like him anymore. On most Chevy Chase things, like I really like the comedy, and I'm not like, a I'm not a huge 80- physical comedy guy, but like I, I for whatever reason, like he was charming enough or whatever. Like like I, I've been in on a lot of Chevy Chase stuff. Dude, it's like up to like '88, the guy was gold. Yeah, like I mean, as far as just being able, like I said. That kind of quick non sequitur one liners that nobody actually reacts to. It's kind of like he just it's it's like Zach. You know what it's like? It's like when we did the show, like when we did the podcast last week, and uh, every time I called uh, my man Amistad, Amistad, you would just say the gentleman from Amistad, just say right. quietly, and I purposely didn't react to it because that's so much funnier. Right. If, like people are just listening every time I hear you correct me, the gentleman from Amistad. We were we were on we were on NBA radio the other day together, right? And you decided yeah. like whenever a caller asked how we were doing, you were just gonna say Apple time, Apple time, Apple time. And there, Apple and there was time. nothing. To, and one time, Maze, one time, so it, this caller calls in, and we t- we take the call, and I'm like, hey, how's it going? He goes, hey, how are you guys? And Amin goes, Apple time, Apple time. And the guy goes, uh, good. Like he had no <laughs> idea how to react. Like it was just perfect. It's the it's kind of like when. Um, on Levitard show, right? Like they'll do the thing where essentially two different conversations are happening at the same yes. time. And I, I fucking love that. Like, oh, I it, love it too. Yeah. Like it's one of the funnier things they do to me. Uh, Chevy chase is the master of this in movies. Um, so yeah, like, I mean, like I like, I like that humor from him. But so, and, and that was really at his prime. That was when you, again, you think about spies like us, you think about, um, Fletch and Fletch lives. You think about uh, National Lampoon's, uh, at least the first one, you know, it starts to fall off a little bit after that to me. But, um, like, that's, that was his wheelhouse, and he was excellent at it, man. And like, to me, like, I don't, I don't have to like the dude. I don't think he's a good dude or anything like that. And most everything that he's done since then has been trash, other than Community, which he then fucked up promptly. 
because he's a fuck up and, and, and right. trash human being. But like to watch this movie, like, oh, that shit wasn't funny. Come on, man. Like you can't not when he says the whole scene where he says, "Stop it right there, and I'll bring back the sun." Followed with, "This is my sister. <laughs> you guys can have her. I hear she's really good. I hear she's really good. Yo, there's no way you're not laughing at that. No, man. that's such a no. And he delivers it perfectly. Oh, like yeah, he the, really the, does. Like, the execute. There's a, a lot of stuff in this movie where the joke itself may not be in and of itself that funny, but, but he the, sells it. Him and Ackroyd, they they executed so well. Yeah. Um, little trivia: the the movie originally ended with the destruction of the world, but test audiences didn't like it, so they they shot this other ending. I kind of wish it had been the destruction of the world. I kind of like this ending, to be honest. With you. It's not bad. Like the idea that they would they would finish it with Trivial Pursuit, like that's how yes, they would like this big the, the, thing. Well, that these two idiots would now become in charge of like right <laughs> global nuclear like uh, negotiations and stuff, right? I mean, if it had ended with the end of the world, it would have been way too much like Doctor Strange left. That's fair. Yeah, yeah that's fair. Um, all right, we've got nothing else, I guess, because there's no Tony Medley for this, there's right? There's no Tony Medley for this. Uh, is there? Is there a really harsh uh, review that you saw? Either no, from a, like it was like the the worst I saw was one the Chevy the Chevy Chase thing that I that I mentioned, and someone saying like there was loose progression of recycled Abbott and Costello riffs, which I just thought was, I just didn't think like none of these reviews were scathing. I didn't think any of the reviews were accurate. I agree. Uh, so let's go right into file or phobe. Uh, you know what it is for me. This is a strong file. This is literally one of my favorite comedies of all time. Uh, definitely one of my favorites of the eighties. Uh, I like, I don't, I honestly can't see why anyone wouldn't like this movie uh, and didn't even know that nobody liked this movie until a week ago. Right. Maze, what about you? It's a file. I didn't I didn't love it, like I said, but it was definitely funny and there was some really funny bits. I think the doctor scene is is just a classic. Oh, so good. I, I didn't think it aged well, that's for sure. What 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 do you when you say it doesn't age well? Like the, to, I guess other than the understanding of like the Soviet Union was this thing. Like what part of it was like, oh, that's such a like eighties joke. Like him be, like Chevy Chase being such a horn dog? Was that a Well Chevy a, Chase in general, I don't think his his characters age well, but the Star Wars, it's very much Cold War era. Like I think it would have been funnier to me if I had been processing the Cold War in the news at the time or something like that. Like it just seemed very rote and predictable. I guess to me the overarching plot yes but the moment to moment enjoying the movie it's not like you, hey you really have to understand the tension of the cold war to really get these jokes no they're just fucking funny jokes yeah i i, I like the jokes i didn't necessarily like the way that they strung them together interesting okay. zach um, by the way before you give yours i want to say one thing that this movie also reminded me of now that i'm hearing mazes uh kind of criticism it reminds me of horrible bosses too Mm. Where it's like the plot doesn't really matter, dude. Just right. laugh at the jokes, right? And in that way. So, uh, with that being said, your review. Uh, you now, first, earlier you teased it. You said yeah. you watch it in two different mindsets. Two different mindsets. Well, one, one I want to I want to point out something to Maze here in the audience is that I feel like this was a last ditch attempt by Amin to curry favor with me in the movie <laughs> by mentioning Horrible Bosses 2 because he knows I fucking love Horrible Bosses 2. We talk Great about movie. this often. Like, um, 
I don't know if there's a time we've gotten together in the last like six months. I mean, where we haven't brought up this movie and started laughing about it. Uh, so I, I see what you did with that attempt there. Uh, but I will say this. So I came in with two mindsets. One, if I was watching it back then, would I have found it funny? Now, obviously, I was three years old when it came out, but you know what I mean. Like, <laughs> like, in, like in terms of like, if I watched this when I was a kid, right? Like, would I have found this mo- this movie funny? Like, I've watched a shitload of comedies when I was a kid. Would I have found it funny? And two, the mindset of what would it hold up today for me? So with the first one, I mean, I will say, I fully believe I would have found this funny when I if I watched it back then. Like, fully believe. In terms of it being uh, something that holds up today. It's a sweep for file. I think it holds up. Yes! I will watch it again. I, yes! I thoroughly enjoyed this. I'm still gonna I'm still gonna dig my heels in on the G Force. I thought that was super stupid. I didn't think that was funny. I thought it was overplayed. I didn't think that the whole part, even with the you guys wanna get some coffee. Like or I didn't think any of that was I didn't think any of that was the funny. Hair, but the rest the of the hair. movie, the rest of the movie, I'm in on. Like I thought it was I thought it was hilarious. Like I was laughing. So and a little like too much information for the audience. I had food poisoning last night. I'm not in a good mood. I've been shitting myself constantly. I'm super dehydrated. Watch the movie anyway. Still died. Like love this movie. Complete uh, file across. We the- are our first hundred percenter. Yeah. Oh man. I'm, I'm a- so excited. I think it's safe to say that, uh, do we think Tony Medley is a Chevy chase guy? I'm, I'm going to go say no. No. No, no, no way. You think I see? I go opposite because Tony Medley also has a very political slant. I think, oh. you think Chevy Chase gets a, like a, a raw deal. He's a real funny guy, not like that fake ass Will Ferrell. <laughs> but yeah, Chevy Chase. Chevy Chase uh, is. I look. Is he problematic? Is he a dickhead? Yes. Do I find his mo- movies from the seventies and eighties funny? I do. I just do, and I think this movie was great. That's um, look. I, I can't stand Mel Gibson, but you ain't gonna tell me *Lethal Weapon* wasn't a great movie. Like, that's great. That's a great point. I still watch them. I still watch *Lethal Weapons* when they're on. <laughs> I can't help it. That's gonna do for *Cinephobe*. For Amin Al Hassan, for Anthony Mays, I'm Zach Harper. Thanks for subscribing to the Patreon. Tell your friends about Patreon.com/slash/CountTheDings. Check out all of our other podcasts across the Athletic, and of course, uh, *Count the Dings*, uh, *Bomb*, *Mailback*, all that good stuff. And we will uh, talk to you next time. Thank you.